0: Hey guys, it's Ellie, and this is Costco Mysteries, and this week we're going to be reading a little bit more of those minute mystery stories. So, I've done the same thing the last two weeks, and honestly, I'm enjoying this immensely. (laughs) Because they're short, they're sweet, they're fun, they're uh, interesting, and actually last week I got one right, which is mind-blowing, because these are really nitpicky and really difficult, in my opinion. Uh, So yeah, I'm just proud of myself that I got one right. Um... I'm really bad at these in general, so, uh, don't expect me to be the highest quality detective. So anyway, um, yeah, I got nothing else to say, so with normal waffle, let's get started on number seven, Strangled. 22 days of this hot, dry spell, groaned Professor Fordney. I can't remember a stretch like it. Tell us about the Greer case, professor, urged the rocking chair brigade. It'll take your mind off the heat. Well, you know the salient facts. The body of Irene Greer, lying on the railroad right-of-way, was found half a mile from here by a fishing party at 6 a.m. the day before yesterday. It could be seen that she was a beautiful girl, despite the tousled hair matted with mud and a nasty bruise on her cheek. Her flaming red dress was torn and dirty. She had on shoes, but no stockings. Incidentally, her clothes were of the finest quality. Her body indicated that she had received a terrific beating, poor girl. From appearances, she had been placed on the track with the expectation that she would be struck by a train and identification made impossible. No doubt she was unconscious when this was done, but she must have revived temporarily and crawled to the gravel right of way before a train came along. There, she died. A peculiar circumstance is that, while her body was bruised and twisted, there were no marks on her throat to indicate strangulation, yet Dr. Bridewell says that that was the cause of death. She was found in a desolate spot. Oh yes, she was probably strangled by a scarf which employed in a certain matter would leave no trace. Now you folks should know how I learned Irene Greer was attacked elsewhere and then brought to the vicinity where she was found, smiled the professor. Do you? That's the question. (laughs) Ah, so actually, um, I noticed this just as I was reading this. The very first sentence of the story reads, 22 days of this hot, dry spell. That means that it's been hot and dry... For the entire time. That means that it was hot and dry when the Irene Greer was found on the tracks. But when she was found, her hair was matted with mud. So if it's so hot and dry, then how could there be mud? So, my goodness, I feel like a freaking genius. <laughs> so yeah, I'm just I just noticed that like her hair was matted with mud and like, well, it's really, you know, should not be happening. So yeah, I think she was killed with the scarf, because the doctor says that it was strangulation, but there were no marks, and he mentioned that a scarf could do that. So I think he was, um, I think she was beaten up somewhere else, far away, probably in a different region where the weather was better. And, um, you know, she's beaten up, she was, she was strangled, and then she was chucked on the tracks in this area where they are, where it's hot and dry. Um, that's what I think happened. Uh, let's look at the solution, shall we? <laughs> Here's the solution. There had been a dry, hot spell at that place for 22 days. Irene Greer's hair was matted with mud. Therefore, she must have been attacked elsewhere. Yes! (laughs) I got it right. I'm so proud of myself. I'm getting better at these, honestly. I I seriously am. Oh my gosh. I feel like Sherlock Holmes himself has just taken over my brain. (laughs) Okay, Uh, let's move on to number eight. Death in the office. When Professor Fordney reached Gifford's office, he found a policeman already there. Gifford's dead, he was told. What brings you here? He telephoned me a few minutes ago, said he had been shot, then I had a hard time understanding him. This street is on your beat, isn't it? Yes, I heard the shot when I was in Smith's cigar store. Took me a while to locate it. The door was locked and I had to break in. As they walked into an inner office, they saw Gifford's body, a bullet through the heart, lying in a pool of blood. "'Fordney stooped to pick up a revolver. "'It's an easy jump to the ground,' observed the policeman, who was standing by an open window. "'Did you know, sir,' he added, "'that Gifford has been troubled lately by blackmailers?' "'But yes, the last time I saw him he told me that he had been shot at a couple of weeks ago.' "'Fordney walked over to the door and found the lock was sprung, but the key still in it. "'I suppose,' ventured the policeman, "'that the blackmailers got him. "'They must have locked the door from the inside when they entered, "'shot him, and then jumped out the window.' No, said Fordney, who was examining the key he had removed from the lock. There weren't any murderers in here. Gifford committed suicide. Why was the professor sure that it was suicide? Hmm, okay, so what strikes me as strange is that he was shot through the heart, right? So Gifford was shot in the heart. And I'm not exactly sure what happens when someone gets shot in real life, because I know in movies they, like, immediately just fall back and cease to exist. But I don't know in real life, like... If you're shot through the heart, can you still speak? <laughs> because Fordney mentioned that he had a phone call a few minutes before where he said he had been shot and that he couldn't understand him after that. So that's fair enough, I guess. But, like, would he even, like, be able to breathe or talk if he was shot through the heart? Um, so I think that's one strange thing. But also, like, the whole the whole question is, like, how did he know that it was suicide? So we need to prove somehow that it is suicide with these facts. So I think the shot in the heart thing is a good start. Let's see. Another strange thing that I found, I'm always looking towards the timing, by the way. Um, but the policeman said he, quote, heard the shot when he was in a cigar store and, he, and it took him a while to locate it. So, um, and then Fordney mentioned that he had a phone call from him just a few minutes ago. So, maybe a few minutes ago means like 10 or 20, but I don't know. A few minutes ago in my mind means like for maybe up to 10 minutes, I don't know. But I think the timing is strange how the policeman, it took him a while to find it, but fordney just a few minutes ago, I don't know. I don't know if that actually holds any water because quote-unquote a few minutes and quote-unquote a while could be interpreted very loosely. So, I don't think that's actually it, but I, I did notice that. Uh let's see. There aren't aren't very many details about the murder scene, besides the fact that he had a bullet through the heart and he was lying in a pool of blood. Um, So they don't mention a phone being in the room at all. Uh, And if there was a phone, I think it might be a little bit more... I think they would have mentioned it, right? But there's not a phone in there. So that means, like... So what I'm imagining happened is, like, when when Gifford called Fordney, he was like, Hey, I've been shot. Because, like... Because when Gifford called for and he had already been shot, right? So you'd think that he wouldn't really be able to walk if he had been shot. And also, if he had moved, you would you would have seen a trail of blood where he had gone. And they don't mention a phone in the room. And while that is really tenuous, like they don't need to mention everything that's in the room, I do think that um, how could he have called if he had already been shot and he, according to the blood sedanes, didn't move anywhere... Um, so I think that is a little bit strange. So I think that's kind of what I'm going to go with, is that he was shot, how could he have called Fordney? Okay. Alright, here's the solution. Gifford could not have been shot at the time he called Fordney, as he was found with a bullet through his heart. The professor's theory was that Gifford wanted his death to appear as murder in order to protect his heavy insurance. Oh, see, I was right. (laughs) Dude, I am on a roll! Oh my gosh! (laughs) Oh, man. Yeah, so it was about, you know, the bullet through the heart and how he couldn't have called him because he would have died basically immediately. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. I'm so proud of myself. Anyway, (laughs) so let's move on to the last one for today, which is going to be number nine. They usually forget something. Here's a good illustration of the old bromide that the smartest criminal leaves some clue in even the most carefully planned crime, mused Professor Fordney. While in Kulshar, a beautiful little English village, I was asked by the local police to assist them in a rather puzzling affair. Suspicion of a particularly brutal murder had been directed toward an illiterate underworld character. He was accused of sending the following note, found in the murdered man's pocket. Reads, Sir John, when I last seen you, I said I will kill you if the money ain't here by Monday. All of it. Yours truly, XX. Also, everything in that note is misspelled. (laughs) and there is zero capitalization, so, yeah. When in Wellington, the chief constable asked my opinion. I told him the writer of the note, and therefore probably the murderer, was obviously an educated man. After explaining why I was sure of that, he agreed with me. An odd sort of case. The murderer was found to be an extremely wealthy American whose sister had married the murdered man's brother. Well, laughed Bill Cargo, to whom Fortney had been speaking. It's getting too involved for me. I can't figure it out how had Fordney determined the American was an educated man? Okay, so I think this the most important thing here is the note, right? So an an illiterate underworld character was murdered, and uh, he was accused of sending a note. And the note was obviously, like I mentioned before, misspelled and no capitalizations and all, you know, strange. So I think we need to figure out how that note was written by an educated man. I think that's what we're trying to figure out here. Maybe I'm misunderstanding, but that's what I'm thinking. So this, there's like a bit of a framing narrative here, because Professor Fordney is talking to a to one Bill Cargo, and he's kind of explaining how in every case, even the well-planned crimes, there's always a, a clue that they've left behind. So this story of the b- brutal murder is just kind of a the narrative that is within the framing narrative. So... The whole point that Fordney is trying to make to his friend here that is that they always forget something, like the title of the story, they usually forget something. I do find it kind of strange that an illiterate underworld character would have written yours truly at the end of a note. Even though yours is misspelled, it's still like, you know, it's it still seems a little bit kind of something that an educated kind of person would say. And also they use a semicolon. <laughs> So, you know, semicolons even today are difficult for people to use because they're just so confusing and strange. So yeah, the note uses a semicolon, it says yours truly, and it's really strange. So I think that writer of the note is the murderer, obviously, who was an educated man. That's what I that's what I'm thinking. So yeah, let's look at the solution, shall we? Here is the solution. The note, although misspelled, poorly expressed, and written by a seemingly illiterate hand, was punctuated properly in two places. A semicolon and a comma would not have been used had the writer been an uneducated man. Force of habit had betrayed him. Aha! Three for three, baby! Okay, I didn't get the comma, but like, I, th- I said the semicolon, I mean, would someone that, like, illiterate really use a semicolon, you know? <laughs> like, oh man, dude. Whoo! The first episode that I did these Minute Mysteries, I got zero right. The second one, I got one right. And this episode, I got all three right. Hehe. <laughs> man, I'm, I'm so proud of myself. <laughs> so, this was a really fun episode for me to record. I hope that I'll be able to do more of these. As, again, as I mentioned a couple of weeks ago in the first Minute Mysteries episode, I want to make this little mini episode kind of thing a weekly thing in addition to my normal episodes, um, just because there's are so much fun to do, and I don't want to give you a really short episode every single week. So, I think I'll release short episodes like this on, like, Thursdays or Fridays going forward after this episode releases. Um, so yeah, I hope you enjoyed, and uh, just a reminder that if you have any books or stories or riddles or authors or anything that you want to tell me, maybe even some historical context for a story that I just read, feel free to email me at classic at gmail.com. I'm relatively ignorant when it comes to these historical kind of things, although I'm really interested in history, so please, give me all of your knowledge. I want to know. <laughs> secondly um, if you're on any podcast app where you can like or comment or follow or I don't know do whatever feel free go ahead I do it I promise it'll it'll be good (laughs) so yeah go ahead and do that because these stories and these riddles and these logic puzzles they're fun and I enjoy them and I think they're great and more people should hear these because these are just a fun thing to do so yeah lastly there are always the two links in the show notes the two very important links that we all know and love The first one is a PayPal link, just directly donating to me, so if you ever feel like giving me money for whatever reason, go ahead, there's a link there, whatever. (laughs) Secondly, there is the Patreon link, so if you ever want to become a patron, you can become a a Watson tier, which is 5 bucks, or a Sherlock tier, which is 10 bucks, I think I'm gonna make a smaller tier as well, Um, but I was thinking, actually, of making the smaller tier and then having as one of the perks be an Etsy discount code for my store. By the way, if you want to check out my Etsy store, I sell cute little cross-stitched earrings. They're like little 3D burgers and fries and little tacos and stuff like that. So the link is in the show notes if you want to check my store out as well. It's not related to the podcast at all. I just wanted to mention it because it's pretty cool. And I thought you guys might appreciate it. So anyway, um, I had an awesome day today. Again, this is pre-recorded on Christmas Eve. So Merry Christmas to me, I guess. (laughs) I hope you guys are enjoying your January. And have an amazing week with your family or your friends or whoever you're staying with at the moment. So... Yeah. I'll see you guys next Monday. (laughs) Bye.